The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Slight feet up the street, bend your back, shift your arm, then you pull it back. Let's hard you know. I have a tattoo on my arm. <laughs> it's this very weird shape. Can you make anything out of this? Am I meant to do something? I don't think you're meant to do anything at all, except do this episode with me. Actually, it does kind of look like it says something about... Can you read that? What does it say there? Wait a second. It says, The Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight-to-cable. We're bringing you facts, trivia, debate, and more to hell with the movie. If they made four. Yes, to hell with them. And I shall fight to my dying day. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm Vin. And I'm Scott. And we're back again, folks, to bring you a new trilogy to analyze, to cut apart, like uh, an ancient mummy attempting desperately to get his old girlfriend back to him. Let's unwrap this. Ooh, uh, good one, Scotty. Uh, That's good, right? (laughs) Scott, why don't you tell us... Which episode? Yeah, we're doing it doesn't today. seem like they're getting it. I'll just tell them it's the Mummy trilogy. The Mummy trilogy. I'm excited about this one, Scott. We've sort of been dancing around doing the Mummy trilogy for quite a few years now. Yeah, we've and considered it. Yeah, several we, times. We have because it, it, you know what? It's somewhat recent, yeah. somewhat relevant. Yeah, and um, now it's especially relevant. You know, we've decided to do it, ladies and gentlemen, because of this year's Academy Awards. Yes, Brendan Fraser, the star of this trilogy, makes a huge comeback and wins the Academy Award for Best Actor for The Whale. And at the same time, Michelle Yeoh, also in this trilogy, yeah, wins the Academy Award for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah. And so this is the only time in history, I believe, where both the Best Actor and Best Actress winners have appeared at some point in a trilogy together. So Yeah, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I actually looked it up, and I don't think there are any at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you got all the information. Could I have missed one? Maybe. Perhaps. But probably not. This is the only example of this ever happening. Add us on Twitter if you somehow know one. Please. Um, but it gives us a great excuse to do uh, The Mummy at this point. We finally have good reason to yeah. do it. And also, it's worth mentioning that um, the next Indiana Jones is coming out. Indy 5 is going to yes, be out soon. Yes, we just had uh, another trailer drop the other right. day. Right, so these films are unquestionably related to and inspired by Indiana Jones, so there's another little, little connection going on there. Right. So uh, here we are, finally getting a chance to dive deep into the world of uh, sarcophagi. Oh, uh, m- mummies and uh, c- cart- cartouches <laughs> and sphinxes. What did you call it? Sphinxes. Don't be vulgar. Listen. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's jump right into it. Let's uh, reach out to our robotic friend to give us the uh, category that this trilogy falls into. Mm. As always, his name is Trilogy Bot, and he is invented specifically to do this function and perform this very function. All right, all right. He's always a pleasure. The Mummy is a two to tango trilogy. These trilogies involve two characters that work together over the course of three films to solve a problem, achieve a goal, or defeat an evil. It's similar to the way you two assholes nail each other. All right, so more abuse, but you know what? It's well worth it. I'm yeah. too excited doing The Mummy to you know feel bad about the abuse that he heaps upon us. Yeah, you know what? At this point, it's kind of become tradition, yeah. so it's expected. We you love know. you, Trilogy Bot. Love you, Trilogy. Fuck you too. Hey. Really. Cheers, T-Bot. Yeah. Stick it up your fucking ass. Right. That's what you I'm saying. Robot motherfucker. Right. Now, it's interesting, though. He's calling this one a two-to-tango trilogy. Yes. And that's basically where two characters, um, we follow their adventures throughout the course of three films, and they 
they often work together to fight the forces of evil. Yes. That's how we define this particular category. Mm -hmm. But this might be one of the more difficult trilogies to categorize. Right. Because, you know, on our master list, our secret master list mm. that only we have a copy of in the whole world of every trilogy, we initially had this in the army of one category. Right. You know, one guy kind of taking on the world. Sure. But in watching this again, Scott, I kind of reassessed it. And really, it's about both Rick and Evie together taking on the mummies. I, I, they're in every yeah. scene, the plot-wise, and their dynamic together. As I found myself describing the plots of the the movie when I when I wrote the, the plots for these, I found that I, I wasn't really mentioning Rick all that much. Yeah. Unless he was just in the group with right. everybody. You, know? you make a great point. And because she does most of the moves that move the story. Exactly. They share the, the same amount of screen time. And also, to some degree, Rick is a little wishy-washy. He, he's not doesn't have the heft of like an Indiana Jones. She fills that 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 screen presence gap, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and it becomes sort of one entity fighting these creatures. Right. You know, it seems she's more the the free spirit, and he's sort of the like Evie. Come on, yeah. where you're heading us right into danger. You know what this is going to be. Exactly. They kind of work together. It's right. a frickin' frack type of thing going on. Yeah. And, and you could even almost call this a a, a gangs all year trilogy. If you just look at the first two films, yeah, because the whole crew comes back together to fight the same mummy, and then of course we get to the third one, and really no, no one is back. So, um, all right, so uh, I guess we should just jump right into the plots. I think there's no reason to belabor this any further. I'm excited for you to do the plots. You should just just jump right into it. Okay, just go in, both feet just, oh, in the pool, jumping in. Oh, you know what? There you go. Jeez, hold on. Okay, I'm sorry, mate. My phone closed. I got to reopen this. Mm -hmm. Okay, hold on. I'm really sorry, everybody. Uh, it was, it was, sorry about this. Let me just get everything together and right. uh, let me just get this. Scott's Plots Nights. Scott's Plots Nights. You will hear about the plots from a man. His name is Scott. Scott's blood. Wonderful. Okay. I, f I feel like I'm uh, I'm in an opium den in Marrakesh. There you go. You know, it's just what I'm looking for. Oh, excellent. Then I, you you understood the subtext. Well, of my I'm just being polite. Okay. <laughs> Whenever you're ready. This is Scott's plots, and basically what I do here is I'm going to give you a bare bones, detailless version of the plot just to catch you up and remind you. Uh, if you haven't seen the movies in a while, or if you've never seen the movies and you just want to hear my sexy voice, feel free to enjoy this as well. Great. So we'll start it all off with, of course, The Mummy. 1999. In 1920s Egypt, a British booze hound gives his librarian sister a mysterious artifact that he pickpocketed off an American adventurer who found it in a mythical city of the dead, and he agrees to lead the booze hound and the librarian to the city. After that whole protracted scene where he's about to be hung, yes. you know, we, 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 they've got to recruit Rick at first. Right. He's in jail because reasons? Because. Yeah. And he's really not too perturbed about his impending death. He's really quite yeah. jaunty about it and making jokes about it. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, all right, I'm about to die in seconds. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so he hangs way too long for a person to actually live. Oh, right. Until yeah. finally the deal is made that he's going to show them. He's lucky yeah. his neck didn't snap immediately. Of course. You know? I mean, really, they only start making the deal after he 
he's not immediately killed. <laughs> he's right, like, yeah. he's ne- did not snap. Yeah. He's going to choke to death. Well, I guess he can still help us then. Yeah. I am afraid he is brain dead yes, now. Because so. right. <laughs> five he seconds before, yeah, he, five seconds before there was no movie. If it had just broken his neck, well, yeah. that's the end. Well, yeah. thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. All right, we got you out of there, Rick. Yeah. Now, which way to hammer now? To- <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, unfortunately, he's got to be on a ventilator for the entire trip. You know what? We're going to get someone else. (laughs) (laughs) On the way to the City of the Dead, they encounter a group of American treasure hunters led by a coward that the treasure hunter knows. And when they all reach the City of the Dead, they are warned to leave by a member of a secret society, but continue anyway. Yeah, I just call that guy the Magi. Because I keep forgetting his name. I have it written down here somewhere, but he's basically the head of the the Magi. Yeah. These protectors. You know what I mean? Guy thinks he's the gift to the Magi. You know what I'm saying? And you know what, Scott? We're going to talk about this throughout this entire episode. (laughs) All the uh, similarities between Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Indiana Jones films, and, and this one. But right off the bat, to me, the Magi are equivalent to the Brotherhood of the Cruciform Sword from the uh, third Indiana Jones film. Last Crusade, yeah. They're, they're protecting the grail. My soul is prepared, Dr. Jones. How's, How's yours? yours? Yeah. And, and, and then Indiana Jones just shuts him down immediately. He's like, I'm looking for my father. And the guy's like, oh, well. Oh, I know where you're from. Oh, okay, fine. I can take that. <laughs> yeah, I can help you with that. Yeah, he's like, I didn't, you could have just said something. Let's right. get out of here. <laughs> We're about to be chopped up. Uh, no need for us to die. Here, <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Oh, uh, okay, good luck on your quest. <laughs> While the librarian is searching for an ancient golden book, she stumbles upon the remains of a high priest who was mummified after sleeping with the pharaoh's wife and subsequently murdering him. The Americans, however, discover a book of the dead, suffering several casualties to their party. When they find Imhotep, they're like, he scratched the inside of the, the coffin and he wrote this message too. And I'm like, that's a beautifully written message as he's he's <laughs> bound in gauze and yeah. bugs are eating him alive. He has the time to create with his fingernail a beautifully inscribed message. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever it is, death is only the beginning, I believe right. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the time to be, you know, philosophical about his demise as he's, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's yeah. not crooked. It's not scratched out. It's like beautifully <laughs> written right, yeah. with a fingernail. And, and that's the day after the Magi, once they get to Hominopter, the Magi come and it's the first time that they're kind of warning them. Mm. They kind of come out to the scene that night before and start yeah. attacking everyone. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, geez, the Magi, they're pretty bad at their job. They just run into gunfire. Or sh- they're shot down immediately. Yeah. And they're like, well. We weren't able to stop you, so here's a warning. Yeah. All right. You know. Like, all right. We lost too many people for <laughs> exactly. simply just a warning. <laughs> what was your plan? To murder all of them? You were going to kill like, everyone? Never mind. Just forget <laughs> we said anything. Just yeah. don't do what you're doing. I don't all know. Right. The American seems like a good guy, so uh, stop everything. <laughs> and, I mean, and I mean, and instantly the next day they find the sarcophagus. It's very easy to find. Yeah. They're yeah. like, all right, uh. She's she, not, she's not even looking for it and yeah. like stumbles like oh no, the, there it is the brother is fucking around with a with a, a staff or something like it's a golf club and an errant golf swing brings the whole sarcophagus down in front of them yeah. holy shit here it is <laughs> well that was easy at least Indiana Jones had to kind of earn it in some way yeah. for fuck's sake it's like that episode of Breaking Bad yeah, bathtub coming through the ceiling. yeah it really was <laughs> like, everyone kind of gives each other a double take like, like is that uh, is that what we think it is yeah it is when the librarian reads from the book of the dead. The mummified high priest awakens and chases them all back to Cairo, bringing the ten plagues with him, where he picks off the Americans one by one, 
sucking out their life force and using it to regenerate his full power. So all hell breaks loose the next night when she reads that shit out loud. Right. You've got the evil archaeologist, the Americans who've brought along, who's weirdly just sitting there covered in locusts, and he's like, what have we done? <laughs> and he's just motion motionless with bugs all over him. Yeah. What the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then Imhotep starts to, the first person, he picks off the first American that night because he needs eyes to see, apparently, yeah. in the tomb, right? Right. But he picked off the guy who needs glasses. Like, you picked the worst <laughs> yes. eyes yeah. available. I, I, said, I read the same thing. I was just like, well, so now he looks and he's like, oh, shit. He has shit. to take his glasses, too. And everything's blurry now. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of breaking his glasses, he should have picked them up and put them on. Yeah. <laughs> needed a scene of the mummy of Imhotep going to, like, lens crafters, like, <laughs> picking up some frames. Like, he's like, do you like these frames? <laughs> I, mean, I like to, these. They're temporary until I <laughs> regain my full power. I got the ones, they, they turn into sunglasses when you walk outside. <laughs> they look cool. And then the plagues are just happening. Yes. They just suddenly start happening. Just all of them. It doesn't seem like the world is reacting to these plagues. It, it's very local. <laughs> I think it's only in Egypt and the rest of the world. It's just like, that's it's Egypt for you. It's a different sun. It's blocked out, but only in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, really. The adventurer... The librarian and the booze hound meet up with the member of the secret society who believes the high priest wants to sacrifice the librarian to bring the pharaoh's wife back to life. The librarian believes if they find the ancient golden book, they can kill the high priest. And just as they are about to go get it, the high priest arrives and takes the librarian back to the city of the dead. The adventurer, the booze hound, and the member of the secret society meet up with the adventurer's quirky pilot friend, who flies them to the city of the dead, crashes his plane, and dies. Rick has a quirky pilot friend in all three films, and they're all different. He's, he's very, uh, like, Randy Quaid and independent. Yeah, kind of, you know? Kind of. Washed up, <laughs> looking for glory one last time. Yeah, yeah, good. And it really, this is the beginning of this constant ongoing issue in all three films where, like, transportation is always a problem. Like, they always need to get somewhere before the bad guy does. Yeah. The adventurer, the booze hound, and the member of the secret society find the ancient golden book and and rescue the librarian who reads from the golden book, sending the high priest back to the underworld. Yeah. And that's the first movie. That, that's pretty much it. Ultimately, this first movie is pretty good. Yeah. All right, Frazier's equal parts funny, but in a tortured way, that he doesn't want to be doing this, but he's kind of got to be doing this. Right. I mean, not to get to, you know, the hero's journey, but, you know, this like, sort of call to action yeah. and, you know, he he kind of doesn't want to do it. He's begrudgingly doing it. And then he sort of falls in love with her and it kind of becomes all about that. Really. Sure. Like, sure. They're his, these people literally become his family. Like, right. Right after this movie. And he was a lonely guy. Like, I can live with yeah. that. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. You talk about comparing it to, to Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? And mm -hmm. Indiana Jones. You believed Raiders of the Lost Ark for some reason. You don't believe this. This isn't believable. But here's the reason, I think. Because to us, Egypt is, it's ancient, it's history class, it's uh, animal gods and shit. It's f fucking mummies. It's a fairy tale. Whereas Christianity still exists. It's still kind of around us. Um, so fair or not, like, you know, there's certainly a cultural bias in what I'm saying here. Right. But at the same time, like, the tone is decidedly different. It's a lighter film than Indiana Jones was. Yeah. Even in the most life-threatening situations, we're supposed to kind of, like, smile at it. It's interesting because this is a remake of the, like, the Universal Studios, like, Mummy. Mummy, it's exa know? exactly a remake. And- but at the same time, it's not a horror movie. It like the old one. This is this is an action movie. Exactly. You know what I mean? So Adventure. they kind of they basically turned the mummy into Indiana Jones. Right. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit of that supernatural level of 
the hokiness of horror, I think, is still sure, there. Sure, For me, this movie is, it's like Raiders Light. Frasier is not quite Harrison Ford. <clears throat> and Rachel Weisz is not quite Karen Allen. Yeah, she's much more damsel in distress. Yeah. She's than, cool, like, she's cool and capable, but she's also like, I am no good in a fight. Like, exactly. She kind of like- Especially in this first one. Yeah, she kind of learns to be better in a fight as, you know, she has more experience with this kind of thing. But, you know, just there's so many elements that are the same, whether it be prying strange containers open and having- traps come out or you know bugs instead of snakes or scared egyptian extras just running around being scared right yeah so there's Seeing something happen and fleeing you know like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, well they seem really upset about something should, should we hang out or should we go so yeah i mean this movie is good but i mean it's not raiders of the lost ark yeah yeah like, it's indie light it's indie light yeah all right so let's move right along now to uh to the next one my brother okay uh, i don't know if you heard uh, the bad news, but... Oh, no. The Mummy returns. In 2001. In 1930s London, the adventurer and the librarian are married and have a child and are still raiding tombs. <laughs> On their latest adventure, they find a golden scorpion bracelet that the child promptly clamps onto his wrist and he is shown visions directing him to the resting place of an ancient warrior. I mean, does no one remember what just happened in the last film? Right. When you disturb a, a mummy? All they do this whole movie is just comment how we've done this before. He's like, don't you remember the last time? He's like, I just want to put on record that <laughs> I said this was a bad idea. I like, right. remember that. Basically, what they've done is is they've dragged their young 10-year-old son into their danger with them. And they couldn't be more inattentive parents if they tried. Oh, they're terrible. Oh, they're awful. Awful. They're, they're and really the just they're hoping to, for the best. They're like, he'll be fine. Yeah, right? Like, they're like making out and he's in the back, like, fucking falling down a <laughs> hole. And they're like, I love you, Rick. <laughs> Meanwhile, the librarian is kidnapped by a cult who wants to bring back the high priest from the first one again. The adventurer, the booze hound brother, the child, and the member of the secret society are able to rescue the librarian, but the child is immediately taken right after. The adventurer, the booze hound, and the member of the secret society meet up with the adventurer's quirky pilot friend, who flies them to the ancient warrior's resting place in a dirigible, crashes, yeah. and begins fixing the dirigible. At the same time, Imhotep is taking a train somewhere. Like, what happened to your right. sandstorm mobility from the first movie? Yeah. He's on the train? The, the mummy's on the train? <laughs> With the kid? Yeah. I mean, um, he's got a whole posse this time. That's the one thing. Yeah, he does. And it's also revealed at this time, Scott, and this is really important when it comes to the plot, that the idea is that two villains have to be resurrected. They know because it's the year of the scorpion and the bracelet's been found, the, right. the, the scorpion king is, is about to come back. The bad guys are like, the only person that can control the scorpion king is Imhotep. Right. So let's bring him back so he can defeat the scorpion king and I don't co-opt his army. I think that's the idea. Yeah. Like it's a really, right. a, it's a goofy plan. You know, and the bad it guys- It seems like one or the other. I don't know why you had to do both of these. Exactly. Yeah. And the bad guys are like, what? Well, like they are able to bring back Imhotep in five minutes. The whole last movie was devoted to this. Yeah. For them though, in the second movie, they're like, fuck it. They found him, brought him back. He's back. <laughs> right. Yeah. In, in, in no time at all. Yep. And getting on a train. It's it, yeah, especially because you know you don't really see the Scorpion King until the end, right? So and like, that's one of the failings of the movie. I want to hear, I want to see the Scorpion King. Who I don't need to see the Imhotep story again. Yeah, give no. me the Scorpion King. Yeah, we need to bring Imhotep back. You control the Scorpion King. Yeah, you get his army. Yeah, fuck Imhotep. While they are able to save the child and enter the pyramid, detaching the golden scorpion bracelet from the child, the librarian 
is killed. We've also found out that Rick is a descendant of the Magi people. Oh, yeah. With a tattoo. Yeah, he, he gives him this whole thing, too, where he's like, you know, she was the, the daughter of the Pharaoh and is meant to do this, and you are the you are the, the Magi who was protector, and your son, he is the one who wears the bracelet. Three sides of the pyramid. And you're like, the kid just put the fucking bracelet right. on accidentally. Right. It's a happenstance. Yeah, you made a great point, because also we find out at the same time that she's a reincarnation of... Nefertili, not Nefertiti. Yeah, yeah. Nefertili, you know, the, the, the daughter. She's the daughter of the pharaoh, the, yeah. Like, yeah. they can just be outsiders involved in this. They don't have to be, you know, met metaphysically related to these people from right. past lives. The adventurer attacks the high priest as he is resurrecting the ancient warrior, who is now some sort of half-man, half-scorpion hybrid. <laughs> while the... <laughs> While the secret society fights the army of the undead. Meanwhile, the child and the booze hound read from the Book of the Dead and resurrect the library. Yeah, she's dead for five minutes. Yep. So, really felt the danger there. Yeah, right? Everyone keeps coming back, so you know. Of course. She, it's not going to last very long. Uh, someone is res resurrected in every single film. Yeah. And I, I think we're also a little shell-shocked from the crazy little dwarf mummies that are attacking everybody in that oh, scene. Oh, the, the pygmies. Little pygmy beasts that what are attacking everyone. Why? I feel like every sequel has to make like a mini version of the thing. That, <laughs> You're talking about Ghostbusters. Yeah, well, yeah, I was thinking of the yeah. little marshmallow man. The adventurer realizes the golden scepter the booze hound has been carrying around the whole movie coincidentally turns into a spear specifically meant to kill the ancient warrior, huh. which the adventurer then does, sending the ancient <laughs> warrior, the army of the dead, and the high priest back to the underworld. This is especially funny because, first of all, you've got the dog army fighting the old man army right. out in the desert. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is going yeah. on here? Then, while that's going on, Imhotep is desperately sort of trying to inject himself into the action. And so when the Scorpion King <laughs> goes down, it's the funniest scene in the movie. The Scorpion King gets stabbed. Suddenly, Imhotep sort of slides into the scene on his knees and just yells, No! He's not even in the scene. They he runs in just to I, yell out, No! This, I remember this from when I used to watch it, and it used to make me fucking laugh my ass off. It's the Scorpion King coming at him. He stabs the Scorpion King, Rick, stabs him. The Scorpion King, like, stabs, uh, looks down at it, looks back up. Then they go wide shot. Beat, beat, beat. In comes Emotep running, drops to his knees, yeah. puts his hands out and goes, nice! So crazy. Nice. And this whole part of the movie, people were just yelling words, yelling names, yelling yeah. the spear, Rick, <laughs> just yelling things to the yeah. air. Nothing like, means anything. And you know it's all like added in later because they were watching the right. scene going, well, this is incomprehensible. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kill off Imhotep and an ox in a moon almost as an afterthought. Yeah. Almost as an afterthought. She abandoned somebody's like, fuck it, I'm just going to fall into a, yeah. a pit of people, hands, corpses. I actually And then she just trips and falls into like a bug yeah, pit. Yeah. Like they just needed to get rid of those two characters because we didn't really need them in the first place. Right. It's so over the top, but like him being like, Evie, get out of here. Go, go, get in. Like, you know, and she's just, meanwhile, I'm like, Rick, stop wasting your energy screaming at her. Pull yourself up. <laughs> Why are you just hanging on the thing going, get out of here? Yeah, like, yeah. Just up. By the way, some little crusade action there. A little uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade yes. falling down at the end. Indiana? Yep. Let it go. Let it go. I mean, if you think about it, the first movie is really just a, a wacky love story between Inhotep and an Ox and a Moon. 
And yeah. it's mirrored by the relationship between Rick and Evie. You know, it's kind of, they're they're compared directly in this scene. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Like, so it's like, what was it about for an ox on the moon then? If she's not going to. But yeah. she was already resurrected in the second what one. What did she, she was going to get out of there and she was going to go live like a normal life in uh, Egypt somewhere? Thank you. Well, what? I mean, the first movie, she needed him to resurrect her, Imhotep. Yeah. In the second one, she's good. Would have been great if, she, if he resurrected her in the first one. And then she was like, hey, you didn't have to do this. I'm already reincarnated. She'll be here in like a few years. <laughs> it's really, it's fine. Look, this movie was just really not necessary. It was ultimately a rehash of the first movie. Yeah, it's enjoyable enough, but there it's, is a turn where the movie just turns into hot nonsense at the end. Although I got to tell you, as nonsensical as that ending is, there's something about the last quarter of the movie in that climax, all that fighting and shit that yeah. I, I, it amused me. Yeah. And I, I found it interesting. I kind of like the idea that uh, the, the Oasis is falling in on itself and that once again they get the uh, the jewel you know he grabs the jewel at the top of the pyramid yeah, yeah. like it amused me yeah no I thought that was good of like of course they have to win some sort of treasure because sure. ultimately they were doing it to save the world right? right you know and also with their own personal stakes but they're yeah. saving the world of course so it's almost like and you get this little reward you get a little reward for it <laughs> you know you weren't in it for the money but hey have some money. But anyway. I tell you, what a waste of the rock. He was only in one scene. Yeah. That's not him at the end. Like, Yeah, and he was pretty good in that first scene. I liked him. I just He's don't powerful. understand why he had to be a scorpion. Just have him come out and, and just have the be rock him. beat the shit out of right. these two guys. Especially he loses his powers, which I thought was hilarious that Emotep walks into the temple and he's like, He's like, I've lost my powers. He wa Anubis wants me to fight without my powers for some well, reason. I was like, maybe he wants you to get your ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever think about now that? What are like, you here for? Right. You were only resurrected to beat him and get his army. Right. You need those powers. Yeah. yeah. Well, how hey, do you think you'll win? He was counting on that. He's like, I won't need the scepter because I am. I have powers. And then he gets right. there and goes, oh, shit. shit where's the powers? fucking scepter? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then he resorts to trickery and goes, uh, it was him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really half-assed. Yeah. So, all right, let's uh, finish her up, my friend, right. with the third one. Now, we head east. Let me just check my compass. East yeah, or west? The the Earth is a globe. Sure, you it's can head circular. either way. You'll end up in the same place, roughly. The mummy tomb of the Dragon Emperor, two thousand eight. In nineteen forties China, the child from the second one is all grown up and it's discovered the tomb of a brutal emperor with magic powers who was cursed by a witch along with his army to become statues. All right, we're good so far. Okay, yeah, I buy it. Okay. I'm in. All right. All right. Meanwhile, the adventurer and the librarian are working for the government and are transporting an ancient gemstone back to China. She's become a fiction writer, and Rick is just retired. The government has to come to them and be like, do you still want to work for us? Yeah. And they're yeah, like, well, he's so old. He just doesn't look old enough no, to be of, that of, kid's dad. Of course not. It's, it's preposterous. Ridiculous. Of course. You couldn't make him look older? Put a little streak of gray in his hair I or mean, something? I mean something. Yeah. Those extra moles on his face, I just think are from, from Brendan Fraser. That's not yeah. makeup. Yeah. He's just gained various moles on his cheek. He, he befalls the fate of all Irishmen. Time takes you and makes you just an old potato. You're a philosopher yourself, my friend. <laughs> the family reunite in China, where they find out the child's expedition was funded by a rogue general who hopes to bring back the glory of China by resurrecting the emperor using the gemstone, which he does. So there's no difficulty in getting to China with the gemstone. 
They get there in one second. Yeah. They show up at the brother's bar. They're there. Then they're with their son. It, it is the, insanely fast. It, the whole movie progresses yeah. in that crazy speed. There must have been a scene that they cut. A mysterious woman with a weapon that can kill the emperor appears and tells them the emperor is heading to a city of immortality. She then joins the child, the adventurer, the librarian, and the booze hound as they head into the Himalayas to stop the emperor. I just want to say that when they reincarnate the emperor, at first they mention they're like, it's a decoy, right? But then they spill the elixir that brings him back to life accidentally on the right guy that just yeah. happens to be like riding the horse. When we saw him get turned into a statue in the beginning, he, he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't like... Riding a horse, you know, exactly. he was like, ah! exactly. he turned into a, you know, vomiting concrete on himself. <laughs> right, right. And then during all this, of course, you've got the ridiculous family strife between Rick and his son. I was never there for you. Yeah, He's he clearly was... his father's son. Yeah. I, I, it couldn't be more obvious. And his mother's son, like, yeah. clearly they've made a huge impression on him. He's done well for himself. Yeah. What the fuck? Because he never had a catch with them? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. This is drama that we don't need. Fuck you guys. You never want anything to do with me when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> that ship is You guys bad. were just fucking each other left and right <laughs> in front of me. Despite some help from some yetis, the emperor discovered. <laughs> Don't even. You know what? Don't even say yeti. I can't help but laugh every time. Goddamn <laughs> I, yetis. I, I was I was pretty happy. About I couldn't the believe yetis. what I was looking at. I was like, it's ridiculous, but <laughs> these yetis are pretty badass. I was like, did that yeti just pump his fist <laughs> in in happiness over over winning the fight? Did they just high five each other? It, what? Just another reason why, like, besides Davos <laughs> being there, it did feel like kind of Game of Thronesy. Yeah, like, a little bit. Like the giants are here. Like, yeah. Despite some help from some yetis, the Emperor discovers the city's location, and the adventurer is mortally wounded. The mysterious woman takes the adventurer, the child, the librarian, and the booze hound to the city of immortality, where she reveals she is the immortal daughter of the witch who cursed the Emperor. And the witch saves the adventurer's life. At no point do you feel like Rick is in any danger at all. Forget about yep. the fact that the people that die in the first two movies always are brought back to life. Yeah. In this one, literally, I wrote it down. Three minutes in the movie have passed between the time that he's mortally injured and the time he's brought back. Yep. And they bring him back, you know, Last Crusade style by pouring some shit on the wound. The wound disappears. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's exactly and the then same. And it's like, is Rick immortal now? Yeah. What, what is right. the, and, you know, uh, Michelle Yeoh is like, guarding the Shangri-La just the way that Errant Knight was in, yeah. in Last Crusade. Right. Has been there for 300 years with her daughter. Yeah. Like, the movie barrels forward just just, just set piece after set piece after set piece yep. with nothing behind it. It's, I, it's I, trying its best to get through the movie, you know? The son is like, oh, great. My girlfriend is a magical creature that's been alive for 2,000 years. Yeah. You know? She's smarter than me. She's She controls yetis. Yeah. What do we have in common? I love to. It's like, you know, she's like, I just, I can't get involved because I don't want to watch you die. And then, you know, then they're both at the end, yeah. she's mortal again. And it's kind of like, okay, great. Now you have to watch me die. Yeah, now I You're get like, to die. Oh, okay, cool. I wrote that too. I wrote down, I'm going to live forever. I can't watch you die. And he's like, suck it up. I just want to get laid. Really? You're going to bang her once and be like, sorry, baby. Yeah. She's like, I gave up immortality for this. <laughs> Should live forever, bitch. Yeah. The emperor arrives in the city, becomes immortal, raises his army, turns into a dragon, kidnaps the mysterious woman, and flies back to his tomb. So he can just create whatever idea he wants and become that? Like, I, there's I, no rule whatsoever. I know. 
And she, it's literally one line of Michelle Yeoh uh, saying like, oh, he can't become immortal because if he becomes immortal, he could turn into terrible beasts. You're Ugh. like, wait, wait. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why would that happen? I mean, he already has some pretty good powers so far. Right. He's making avalanches and he shit. Can control water, yeah. fire, concrete, like well, anything. Like yeah. cement, all that shit. Oh, but now we can turn into a dragon. Now we're really oh, fucked. Oh, no. Yeah. It's over now. Yeah. Fuck. Then naturally, it becomes another transportation issue. It's like, well, get Mad Dog in his plane, and let's beat the dragon back to the Great Wall. They <laughs> right. pass the fucking dragon. Yeah. They look down and see the dragon. <laughs> They're like, who, there he is. Yeah, who doesn't <laughs> notice them at all yeah. at some point. They're like, wow. well... Well, obviously, we're faster than this mythical dragon. That's why they got Mad Dog, yeah, right? It's a great, I mean, he's a great flyer. His plane is faster than a dragon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so much of these films involve transportation. I know. I mean, I thought the dirigible was pretty interesting instead of having, like, a plane. I guess I'm so. Like, but, no, I mean, but still, cool, but, you know. But maybe it's just because it makes me think of Teddy Ruxpin. Come fly with me tonight. Teddy Ruxpin? Teddy Ruxpin had a dirigible? He had a dirigible. Get out of here. He sure did. I he knew he was around. a fucking Nazi <laughs> this whole time. Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> He's your best friend. <laughs> See, Kyle. What? <laughs> oh, God. Teddy, are you a Nazi? Oh, no. He took the suicide pill. <laughs> the witch then sacrifices her and her daughter's immortality to raise an army against the emperor. The two undead armies clash, and the adventurer and the child are able to stab the Emperor with the magic weapon, sending him and his army back to the underworld. I mean, this whole thing is just so brutally dumb. Yo might be the Academy Award winner this year, but she's yes. doing no favors for herself with that speech about the resurrection and I'm giving up my immortality. Like, yeah. in English, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jet Li is like, I am just pure evil. Forget about all the <laughs> yeah. advancements the Chinese people have made. All that matters is yeah. pure evil. It's literally like what they did with The Rock. He's in the movie for maybe about the same amount of yeah. time as The Rock was in the movie. Yeah. Six minutes. And then the rest is like a CGI terracotta soldier. Yeah. Like <laughs> and then Yo brings to life the Great Wall Army, which is General Ming's yeah. comic army. Soldiers with missing arms. They're they're fighting with uh, with pickaxes and shovels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? Yeah, they're the weakest peasants yeah. in yeah. all of Chinese society. But you know, it follows, the same, a, it follows the same theme. I'm going to talk more about this later. How every like army and set of mummies in these movies are, are comic mummies. They're, yeah. they're not, they're all doing goofy shit and it's like a comedic thing. Like you say to Jet Li, like, what are you going to do with your old dated spear wielding army? He's like, well, if they get past the Great Wall, they're immortal. Really? They're holding spears. Yeah. Really? What are they going to walk across the globe spearing everyone to death? Yeah. What are you talking about? Mm, mm, take this. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing. At the end, right after all the shit with the armies, you know, they, they take out the emperor down in the tomb. The emperor's playing with elements down there, and we don't even know what he's really doing down there. Yeah. And then, frankly, they just kill him. And you're like, well, <laughs> thanks for nothing. And that's the ball game, yeah, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the movie okay. even misses the great opportunity for um, the girl's real father, who is now a mummy, who's re resurrected, to like yeah. wave to her or be like, I love Where you. Where was that? They don't even bother to do you're it. You're 100% right. Looks he looks directly at the camera. And you're yeah. like, here it comes. And that's- Nope, he just keeps walking. That's her husband. <laughs> right. Who said, like, my mother like has grieved my husband, uh, right. grieved her husband forever. It's her father. Her father. And right. that's why she won't get involved. And then you right. have no- No uh, connection at all. 
You're right. You're, it pissed me off to no end. I know. Because I thought they were like, yay. And I was like, all right, now we're going to get like a little something like a, hey, I wish yeah. I didn't I wish die. I didn't. I wish I could have been, yeah. been your father for the last 2,000 yeah. years. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right, yeah. Here's a, a bunch of birthday cards. <laughs> Maybe he missed. lifts his arm to wave and it falls off. Anything, something. <laughs> yeah, even if it's good. Here's on. a bunch of birthday cards. Yeah. I saved all these for you. <laughs> this movie was just kind of dumb. And, you know, it failed for me just on the level of the screenplay. It's written poorly with both the dialogue and the plotting. You really have a big, you know, shakeup with Maria Bello taking, over, taking over for that actress. But you know what? It's funny. I always assumed they killed her off, that they, they killed off that character. Oh. Because when that movie came out, Maria Bello was not advertised as being in that movie. I don't remember it. So, no. like, most of the cuts were him talking to his son. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, so they're going to continue the father-son thing. Rachel Weisz didn't want to come back. They probably like, gave her cancer. Or she right, died, right. you know, got crushed by a tomb or, you know, right. whatever the fuck. Crushed by a tomb. Whatever. Or she's out of town. <laughs> whatever. She's like, who cares? For the whole you know? film. Well, it's like it's like in Poltergeist in the third one. They were like, yeah, you have to go live with your aunt and uncle for a while because your parents didn't want to be in the movie. <laughs> like, like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Why? Okay. Yeah, all right. right. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of hallmarks marks of the other two movies. Mm -hmm. They really went out of their way to make it feel like a third movie in the series. It didn't feel like a total soulless cash grab. It's a shitty movie, but it's a mummy movie. Yeah, it felt consistent. It's not like a different screenplay they just tagged the mummy name onto, that we, which is what we see right. a lot of the time with that third right. movie. And if it was, they did a great job of no. making it feel like a mummy movie. No, it was movie, a mummy so. movie. It was yeah. a mummy movie. Okay, those are the plots. hey oh, I liked what I heard, Scotty. I think you know what time it is now. Only one of the most famous pop singers of all time can tell us. Billy? Information. The Mummy. Now, you know, this was based on the uh, the famous 1932 film starring Boris Karloff, that, which was part of the uh, the Universal Classic Monster series, which, you know, it had um, Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, and the Creature from the Black Lagoon, another trilogy, actually. Yeah. Uh, these existed between the 30s and the 50s. And so by the late 80s, they were ready to, to reboot this film. And they wanted to make the mummy like a, a Terminator type character that was like unstoppable, undefeatable, that kind yeah. of a character. But then Universal was sold to the Seagram's company and Ooh. they kind of reconceived the film as, refreshing. as like a big budget adventure film as opposed to like a small horror film, which was yeah. the idea initially. They brought on director Steven Summers. Um, we'd know him from uh, Van Helsing. He directed that. Oh, okay. Directed one of the G.I. Joe that films. That was okay. And this wound up being his career, basically. He directed the first two films, but pretty much produced every other film, whether it be the third film, the uh, Scorpion King spinoff, right. all of the direct-to-video Scorpion King films, like yeah. the, the television show. But something went terribly wrong, and the mummy rose again. Initially, Tom Cruise was kind of brought in for the film. He turned it down. Brad Pitt, Damon Affleck. All of them turned it down. Interesting. So they decided to go with uh, Frasier because they were impressed with the box office he brought in with George of the Jungle. Uh, and he was kind of a low-end leading man. He wasn't going to cost them as much as these other guys. Right. You know, so they decided to bring him in. I just feel like he does better with comedy. Oh, for sure. Too, than, than for Tom sure. Cruise would ever do. It wouldn't have been the same movie yeah. with any of those other four actors. I mean, yeah. his casting made it a comedic film, I think. Yeah. And let me tell you, there's a, like a lot of horror stories involving the making of this film. There was dehydration and sandstorms and multiple crew members received bites and stings that they had to 
chopper them out to save. And <laughs> I really thought you said they're going to chop off their arms <laughs> because to stop the poison from getting to their heart. Fucking uh, Brendan Fraser almost died during the hanging scene. Yeah. And they all had to take out kidnapping insurance because it's Northern Africa, after all. Right. You know, say what you will about that, but don't go there. Yeah. Okay. You'll get kidnapped. <laughs> How long were you actually in the desert? Three and a half months with camels and stuntmen. And, uh, it which was is worse, the camels or the stuntmen? I mean, you're going to be in the desert. Which would you rather have with you? A camel. Camels. Sure. I really would. would you rather have the camels? <laughs> and when you do that, is there, you probably, there's a luxury hotel. It's like the, the, the Sahara Marriott <laughs> was, or something, right? This is, it, it, we did have a, a hotel of a sort. It was uh, painted purple and pink with green clouds on the wow, inside cool. of it. It was really disturbing. Yeah. This is a big time industrial light and magic film 140 shots um were fx shots yeah uh 15 million dollars went into that and a lot of that had to do with the way they uh shot the mummy the different stages of the mummy as he became more reconstituted and everything yeah and by and large it's pretty good you know yeah, it's not we're bad. talking about motion capture there's a little a little janky here and there but done pretty well when they're doing the uh, opening scene in thebes that's all green screened the plagues are all computer generated as well right they look pretty good yeah, they don't you know, look bad. And, and the mummy army, too. So, yeah, the effects played a huge part in this movie and were a really big deal at the time. Yeah. I don't know how many other films. I can't think of too many other films that had these kinds of effects before this. This was around the time of um, Phantom Menace. Same get, year. Yeah, you get yeah. a little bit of that in there. It's, it made me think of, um, if you've ever gone back and rewatched uh, 1998 Godzilla, the one with Matthew Broderick. Sure. Looks like shit. I like, believe it. Every every shot, like where like the foot comes down, I'm like, looks like looks like a fucking big green turd. Looks terrible. <laughs> Just doesn't look good at all. But then you watch like you know Jurassic Park or even this. I was surprised. I'm like, this isn't. It's not that bad. Yeah. You know. And you were right about Godzilla. What's funny about that movie is in one shot Godzilla is like five stories tall. In the next shot, he's in a tunnel in the subway underground. How can he fit there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the music was done by uh, Jerry Goldsmith who's done just so many soundtracks of yeah. movies we know. Yeah. He's a trilogy superstar. He did the music for Poltergeist. And this movie did great in terms of box office. I don't remember anybody talking about this movie being a big hit before it came out, but it was a monster, okay? Yeah. It was made for $80 million. It did 416 worldwide, 155 in the United States. Um, they actually moved it. We just mentioned Phantom Menace. They moved it so they didn't have to compete with Phantom Menace. Originally, they were going to come out like the same weekend. You have been well trained, my young apprentice. They will be no match for you. It received mixed reviews. A lot of people described it as a like a breezy crowd pleaser. Other people compared it in a negative way to Indiana Jones. You, you can't get around that. Yeah. You know, this sort of was the end, though, for the action adventure film. This was the last big one before film sort of gave way to the superhero films. Yeah. Right? Right. Because right after this, you're seeing the X-Men, and then we get into mm -hmm. the Marvel world. So this was kind of the last gasp for this genre of film to some degree. Yeah. This movie inspired a TV series as well that ran for a couple of years, the Mummy TV series, and also inspired the reboot with Tom Cruise 20 years later. And it was going to be part of this monster series where they kind of brought back all these monster films. Like the dark monster verse or whatever. Right, yeah. and it did terrible. Yeah. And so they put the kibosh on that whole series. Ah!
And that kind of brings us to The Mummy Returns. This music was done by Alan Silvestri. Yes. Another big name. we've talked about. Trilogy superstar, Back to the Future, Night of the Museum. And so the reason that Silvestri got the job is because, this is pretty weird, Jerry Goldsmith was doing a concert in London in 2000. And before he did, I guess, the Mummy Overture, he made a whole speech to the crowd about how fucking shitty the Mummy was. It was terrible, (laughs) terrible experience. And unbeknownst to him, Stephen Summers was in the audience. So, yeah, they didn't ask him to come back, and Silvestri got the job. Yeah. Fucking (laughs) goldsmith. Um, And, you know, we talk about CGI again. Like, CGI was also a huge part of this movie. So, you know, they took 200 guys on horses and digitally manipulated them into an army of 10,000 in the big fight at the end. And you have the those pygmy mummies. Yeah. Which, apparently, the novelization of the book describes them as ill-tempered jesters. Huh. Yeah. But what's funny is they're all animated, right? They're all computer generated. There was no one standing in for them. Yeah. They're little tiny dwarves. Right. So unlike a lot of the CGI where it'll be like a guy in a green suit that's doing it to you and you this nothing was there. Yeah. So it's like pretend like you're being stabbed to death by a little person. <laughs> like that's the acting you have to do. What do you think will come of that? I don't like the look of it. Another thing is this movie is kind of famous for um, the Rock looking ridiculous at the end as the Scorpion King. Yeah, yeah. That is a piece of CGI that is very famous for being terrible. It's really bad. I mean, whenever they, whenever they talk about like the great CGI we see in like the Marvel films, the superhero films, they always kind of harken back to what The Rock looked like in his first film, CGI'd up like a scorpion. Yeah. He looks ridiculous. Yeah. It looks like a almost like a video game character or like a like a virtual fighter or something but it's funny because there's a story where Brendan Fraser is on his way to the premiere it really it's, it's written that way he's on his way to the premiere what did he stop at a 711 on the way to the premiere he's on his way to the premiere <laughs> and he he ran into some of the FX guys and he told them oh, I look forward to seeing what you did and they bashfully tell him that they wish they could have had more time with the rock I had things coming up out of my body I could not even describe what the f- is that Rachel Weiss and uh, Patricia Velasquez, who plays Anoxana Moon? Right. Yeah. Apparently, they trained for five months for that fight. Uh, no stun doubles at all. It's really the two of them fighting. Oh, wow. Looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, Frazier fucking tore his back and cracked a rib. He got devastated during this filming. The Rock got food poisoning and sunstroke. It's never good. These movies are hurting. They're hurting people. Yeah. They're hurting people. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a big reason why Brendan Frazier stopped working. Yeah. He's like, my body gave out. I can't do this shit. No question. They'd be like, you ready to go again? Like, no. Um, The movie was made for 98 million, did 435 worldwide, 202 million in the United States. It was the seventh biggest film of the year and made $68 million in its opening weekend, which at the time was the second biggest opening weekend in history. Wow. And it got mixed reviews in the same way the first one got mixed reviews. Just, you know, not enough character, too much effects. Yeah. The rocks effects. Even then people knew that looked like shit. Yeah. But it was very it was very much the same kind of a thing. They're comparing it to Indiana Jones. Its positives are it's it's like Indiana Jones and its negatives are it's not enough like Indiana Jones. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And of course it inspired the uh spin-off Scorpion King films. All right, and then you got um, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, okay? New director comes in, Rob Cohen. Rob Cohen is a trilogy superstar, actually. He directed the Triple X film, and um, he also directed Fast and Furious. And the music is done by another pretty big name. They have a lot of big composers come in and do the music for these films. Um, Randy Edelman, who is a trilogy superstar, also the Triple X films, and Ghostbusters 2. Who are you going to call? someone else. Rachel Weisz did not return. No. Bit of a controversy over that. 
Director Rob Cohen has said that she didn't want to come back because she didn't like the idea of having a son that was 21 years old. She felt like it made her feel old. Yeah. All right. She's basically like, the truth is, I didn't like the script. So it's all about, you know, the director trying to protect his script with a story about her being vain versus right. her being like, your script sucked. Yeah. You know, and uh, Maria Bello took over for her and, and she did this whole interview where she's like, this is a new kind of Evie. In this one, she's she's more forceful. She's not such a damsel in distress. It's like, bitch, in the second movie, she had a full martial arts fight. Yeah. So by the third movie, we've come to grips with the fact they've decided to make her like a tough action heroine. Right. And not just the damsel in distress. So yeah. you're just trying to make it seem like your version is different, but it's just... That's bullshit. It, it seems like in between the second and third movie, original Evie died, and then he just married another woman named Evie, who's just pretending to be his old yeah. wife. You know, I loved the first two Mummy movies, mm. and I realized from the beginning I could never fill Rachel's shoes. She's a different character, so we sort of created our own shoes, though so I'm, I'm happy to play a hot mummy in The Mummy. Two different effects companies did this one. One effects company was all about the Yetis and the dragons, and the other one was- I am all about the Yetis and the dragons, too. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and the other effects company did the whole all the battle scenes. And it was the same company that did the battle scenes for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So mm. if you noticed any, any kind of similarity in how these different armies sort of line up against each other and rush headlong into battle and clash, yeah. it's a similar feeling. The movie was made for 145 million, did 403 million worldwide, 102 million in the US, by far the lowest grossing mummy movie, okay? It did much better internationally than it did in the United States, but was beaten out ultimately by another trilogy, and that trilogy is The Dark Knight. Aha! The Dark Knight was in its third week of being out. On the first night, though, The Mummy beat it. The night that it opened, it beat The Dark Knight by like a couple of million. But by the end of the weekend, The Dark Knight, in its third week, had taken down The Mummy. So I like it when two trilogies battle it out. I'd watch a movie called Batman versus The Mummy, you know? Wasn't there a villain... That was from Egypt that Batman fought in the old... The Pharaoh? I fucking knew it, see? Yeah. I knew my fucking Batman, yeah, yeah. bitch. I don't think he's in the comic. He might be, actually, but... It's important just to acknowledge that I knew about Batman, okay? Yeah, he'd acknowledge that. All right. Batman? He turns me on. Nefertiti, we could have you filleted for that. So handsome and clean cut and groovy. We forbid you to speak well of our deadliest enemy. This movie got poor fucking reviews, man. Everyone hated it. They called the CGI middling. They said that there's just a lack of fun, a lack of chemistry, just too familiar. That it was past its prime. Yeah. One of the reviewers had said that it kind of moves forward at a desperate pace. And that's how it feels. It needs to get to the next thing. Not in a natural sense, but it's like, that's the next thing, and the yeah. next thing, and the next thing, right? This, again, is a classic trilogy thing of, like, you know, the second one is basically a kind of just a rehash of the first one with a double down, and then uh -huh. the third movie tries to do something completely different, and they're like, yeah, and then this will this is what our franchise will be, is that they're fighting mummies all over the world. Right. And you're like, No. No, no one's going to want that because that was never what this was about. Just because a guy is coming from a tomb, it doesn't mean he's a fucking mummy. He's not a mummy. He's not a mummy. But you know, it's worth mentioning, Scott, that this follows the trilogy trend that we've talked about a lot of times. How many of these trilogies wind up taking their third movie and sending it to Asia? 
or sending it to another country after spending the first two in this country. Yeah. Whether it be the Bad News Bears going to Japan or Shaft going to Africa, we see it all the time. Do you think that's just like a desperate grab, like knowing that the box office is going to obviously flop off or like the third movie of something? Do you think that's a desperate grab for like the Chinese markets? Nowadays, but not for the movies of the 80s. Yeah. But now- it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. For this movie, yeah, it makes right. perfect in sense. In the 80s, I feel like it was always more of like a spectacle of like, wow, wow, we're in, we're in Japan. And things are yeah. crazy here. Yeah, and like, isn't no. that because nobody was familiar with but it? That it was feels a like, but that feels like, but it feels like they were trying to get the international audience, the Asian audience for this movie. Right. And that's exactly how the box office played out. When America introduced them to baseball, the Japanese adopted it as a way of life. But that was before the bad news bears go to Japan. Okay, so only two actors Scott were in all three of these movies. Yeah. And the first one is the big boy, the big guy, the main man. The whale. The whale. (laughs) He's that big. Brendan Fraser. He broke with Encino Man. Right. Okay. And then wound up doing cameos in two other Pauly Shore movies, Son-in-Law and In the Army Now. I don't know what relationship he had with Pauly Shore or relationship anyone should have with Pauly Shore. Maybe he got him the gig. You know, know, he played the Jew in School Ties. Right. In Airheads with Adam Sandler. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, The Scout where he plays the baseball player. I think Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks, right? yeah. And then um, George of the Jungle. Which I think is a very enjoyable movie. I never saw it. You got Leslie Mann is the uh, love interest in that. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And she's okay. quite funny in it as well. Bad guy falls in poop. Classic element of physical comedy. Now comes the part where we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ready! <laughs> they thought that he'd be a big star after the first mummy. He did a Dudley Do-Right Oh, that one's really bad. And Monkey Bone. <laughs> yeah, Monkey Bone. Which is really kind of like too. a second-rate Roger rabbit type <clears throat> of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. it Animated. always reminded me more of like Cool World for some okay, reason. Okay, sure. Like in the way that it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> After The Mummy Returns, he did Crash, which was a, a, a Academy Award film, right? Yeah. Big deal. And then Journey to the Center of the Earth, which I didn't see, but was yeah. a big budget movie. And then, geez, after the third Mummy movie, he fell off for 15 years. Where's Brendan Fraser? Where is he? Where are you, Brendan? And then he won the, the Academy Award for The Whale. Yeah. And everyone's like, what a great comeback story. He had, he was kind of like slowly coming back. He was in Doom Patrol, which is like a DC TV Oh, is that show. right? Yeah. It's actually a really great role for him. But his whole gimmick was that like he fell off for 15 years because he experienced like a mass depression. And he had a pretty messy divorce. He uh, His mother died. He had all kinds of surgeries because of his injuries making these movies. And then he joined the uh, the Me Too movement because apparently he claims that he was sexually assaulted by the president of the Hollywood Foreign Press, Philip Burke, at, yeah. a, at a luncheon. Burke, I don't know, grabbed this dick or whatever, grabbed this junk yeah. outside of his pants. And, you know, Burke originally denied it. And then he said, like, he was, it was a joke. He was just fucking around. I felt ill. I felt like a little kid. I felt like there was a ball in my throat. I thought I was going to cry. He ascribes this, along with other personal issues, his mother dying and getting a divorce, with why he sort of vanished for the past 15 years. The other actor that was in all three movies, I want to keep this quick, was John Hanna, who played Jonathan, her brother. Yes. Evie's brother, he was made famous because he was in uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. He was also in another couple of big movies, Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow Mm. and um, The Hurricane, that Denzel movie about Reuben Hurricane Carter, the boxer that was jailed. Right. Scott, you might know him. He was um, in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yes. With okay. Like, like it was all half of a season. All right. So he, that was him. a big yeah. television show in this yeah. country with him. Yeah. He also was in Damages, which was a pretty big show for a while. And now he's in The Last of Us, which is like the hottest show in America right now. He's in, 
I believe it's the opening scene of the pilot episode. Oh, is that He's right? He's in, but that's it. True, fungi cannot survive if its host's internal temperature is over 94 degrees. And currently, there are no reasons for fungi to evolve to be able to withstand higher temperatures. But what if that were to change? What if, for instance, the world were to get slightly warmer? Well, now there is reason to evolve. And that's information. I hope there was enough information within that information, because there was certainly enough vin. So that brings us to the part of the podcast, Scott, where we kind of break down our, our notes, our little funny things that we noticed throughout the movies. Yeah. Funny details. Okay. So let's start off with the mummy here. There's a lot of actors that are in this and the second film that are not in all three. So we should kind of mention them, starting yes. with Rachel Weiss. She was in uh, The Favorite, which was an Oscar movie. I think the three leads all got nominated for that one. Runaway Jury, Fred Claus, Envy, Constantine. And you should know she was in Black Widow. Yes. Sure you remember her in yeah, Black Widow. So she's in the Marvel Universe, too. Yeah. We should it. also mention the guy who played the mummy, Arnold Vosloh. He was in Agent Cody Banks. I'm sure you remember that well. <laughs> yes, with uh, Frankie Muniz. Yeah, yeah. Blood Diamond, because I guess since he's a South African actor, you got to stick him in Blood Diamond. And finally, he replaced Liam Neeson in the Darkman films. Eric Avery is in this, too. The guy that plays the Magi librarian, I guess. Oh, the, the bald was it guy. like the first scene with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oops, I have accidentally burned, burned this, this, but it was well, obvious. It's I just, just well, as well. forget about it. Uh, uh, I did not see him accidentally. <laughs> yeah, not, you did it on purpose. I, you know what? I rewound it just to watch him burn it on purpose and <laughs> yeah, make a like, stupid face. Uh, oh, well. Specifically the area where the map was. He's a familiar face. Encino Man, Stargate, Daredevil, Mr. Deeds, Paul Blart. Yes. Mall cop. Also, another couple of quick ones. The guy um, who plays the warden and, you know, goes on the quest right, with yeah. him, Omid Dejalili. He plays exactly the same character in Gladiator. He plays the slaver that yeah, has yeah, yeah. the slaves. It's, it's, ex right. it's the, exactly the same yes. character. Yeah, yeah. And finally, the guy who plays the pharaoh, Akron Apele, is sure. a trilogy superstar. What trilogy do you ask? Well, of course he was in the Happy Hooker trilogy. Oh, my God. I don't know. I just I had to never, mention it because he's a trilogy superstar. I would never guess. One day we'll get to the Happy Hooker trilogy, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to say. <laughs> All right. So those are the actors. Um, there's one thing I want to say just starting off when we talk about The Mummy, right? All of the opening scenes in all three of these movies where they flash back to the past— yeah. Are cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I like them all. This one starts off with the lines. It's the first line of the movie. Thebes, city of the living. That's a direct quote from Indiana Jones when Salah looks across Egypt and goes, Cairo, city of the living, a paradise on earth. Yeah. So they're basically inspired by Indiana Jones from the first line of the movie. Yeah. The openings are always cool, but when you listen to the dialogue that they're saying- It's goofy. It's cheesy. It's cheesy, and yeah. they're saying it in such a grand way. Oh, yeah. That yeah. you're like, yeah, okay. It's kitschy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was the pharaoh's wife, Anax and Amun. No other man was allowed to touch her. I'm like- so like a, a wife <laughs> or like a girlfriend. Just I mean, that's really not it. that special yeah. that no man was allowed to touch her. Oh, shit. Oh, really? like, shit. No one? What about her doctor? What about <laughs> right? a... Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> see, okay. Then I'd be like, all right, now that makes sense. Like, I'm no, watching this and I'm, I'm like... I'm her doctor I'm now. like, was ancient Egypt really like this? Right. Were, were, were the priests all painted gold? Was it like this? Apparently she was only painted so you could tell if someone touched her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, as soon as... 
the Pharaoh calls his bodyguards in or whatever, the bodyguards come rolling in and they look like they're extras from straight out of Compton. They couldn't look more like <laughs> urban black men from yeah. today's age. Couldn't look more contemporary. I mean, it's <laughs> preposterous. And then at the end, she's like, you know, you must resurrect me. And it's like, that's your plan? Yeah. How about don't get caught? Don't die. Yeah. How about just, how about don't let him touch you in a world where everyone's fucking painted? It just seemed like, you know, th that could have been easily explainable. Who has touched you? But like, I rubbed into a wall. I love gold. Uh, they have the whole fight in the beginning where we meet Benny, the guy that betrays him, his little helper. You got another Indiana Jones comparison where the door is closing and Benny like doesn't let him come in in yeah. the same way that in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, Indy's got to roll underneath the closing yeah. door very much the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey! Don't you close that door! Don't you close that door! No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, senor. The beginning when you see they show the the Magi watching him go and like you know should we kill him and he's like no the desert will kill him <laughs> wait for it plus I'm hungry <laughs> like should, should we grab a falafel or something maybe uh, we should just make sure because no, it'd no, be no, very no, no, easy no. to just kill him I sense I'm going to become his friend oh. <laughs> and maybe someday help save his son this falafel is making me thirsty uh, Rachel Vice what a babe. She's so hot in this movie. Let She's me tell you. Yeah, so she gets him out of jail and yeah. strikes some deal with uh, the warden. You see him coming when they're getting on the boat. He's like, and she's like, oh, no, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm here to protect my investment. They're like, no, you are here to die early. So you <laughs> Why don't you mention another time how much you hate bugs so we're exactly positive you'll be fucking murdered by them? Yeah, I, Why don't you say it four more times? It's great. Uh, you because know. Like, at least two or three of those are dubbed in. It's like the snakes thing with Indiana Jones. <laughs> exactly the you same. Know, like, yeah. Exactly the same. You mean bugs? I hate bugs. I hate snakes, Shock. I hate them. They get into this like he, he, you know, he gets all the horses after the boat crash, and then they like have like kind of just like a race to Hamanoptera. Yeah. How is a camel faster than a horse? How, how would a camel ever be faster? Than I'm a horse? not an expert. I don't know. But it doesn't seem plausible. During right? that race, Rick turns to her and looks at her with such a rakish smile. It's so reminiscent of Aladdin in the in the. In Aladdin, like, and he's and he's on the back of a racing camel, and takes the time to look over, and he's like, "See the kind of guy I am." Um, yeah, I mean, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. You don't want to go for a ride, do you? Is it safe? Sure. Do you trust me? What? Do you trust me? Yes. They get there, right? This is so funny. I wrote this quote down. Rick goes, "What are these old mirrors for?" She corrects him and goes. Ancient mirrors. Yeah. Okay, that's what old means. What are you correcting me for? Yeah. Here's one thing if she was like, I think you mean 15th century mirrors, yeah. you know, like, yeah, and dated yeah. them. Like, oh, sorry, I didn't use the synonym you wanted me to use. <laughs> the guy who, you know, ultimately gets killed by bugs, who's like, oh no, bugs, <laughs> I hate bugs. And, um, but immediately goes, ooh, that's an expensive looking bug. <laughs> Let me take six of them and put them in my bag. I thought you hated bugs. Like you keep, you say it like a hundred fucking times. And we talked about it already, how that night, the Magi attack. So there's a whole battle that occurs. Some of them are being shot. 
They're shooting people. People are dying. Five minutes later, no one even cares anymore. Evie's getting drunk. He gets wasted. They're joking yeah. around. Like, you just murdered people. And and people you knew were just killed and shot. <laughs> right. How yeah. are you? Why is everything okay now? Yeah. I know. You're wondering, what is a place like me doing in a girl like this? Yeah, something like that. The Americans and their crew find the box and they're like, should yeah. we open it? Should we not open it? He's like, we, and the one guy's like, it is cursed, cursed. We cannot, you know. And they open the one and the, a couple of their guys get killed. Yeah, acid. Right, from like salt pours acid, out. Yeah. Right? And then like, later they find another one and he's like, ah, you stupid superstitious bastard. <laughs> Opens again, ah, more salt acid. Like, you just had a bunch of people get killed from that, and now you're like, oh, quit your belly aching. Yeah. Like, it's a trap. Emotep kind of looks like uh, he watched The Ring. The big mouth, the big yeah, mouth like open. The, the jaw to yeah. the side. You're like, right. He yeah. does. <laughs> Takes the eyes from that guy who looks like David Wallace from The Office. Yeah. Every time I looked at him, I'm like, is that David Wallace? Well, that's not the David Wallace that I remember. Oh, my God. So then all this crazy shit has happened. We're back at the bar in Cairo, right as the plagues are starting. They're drinking their booze, and suddenly there's blood in it. And yeah. you can kind of see the bartender in the background, and I want the bartender to be like... Hey, don't look at me, man. I, <laughs> hey, wasn't me. When I opened this morning, there wasn't blood in all of the bottles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Later, they encounter Benny, you know, and they threaten him to find out what's going on. Yeah. And Rick, like, holds him up like he's going he's gonna to put his head on a ceiling fan. Yeah. And I turned to yeah, yeah. him and I was like, well, what would really happen there? I mean, don't, how fast is that going? <laughs> it would just kind of whack him in the head. He's yeah. not going to be decapitated by this 1920s yeah. ceiling fan. Yeah, like, those are like the old, like, Casa Blanca yeah, fans that are like exactly. very slow. It's a fucking like, paddle or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's like it's a more wick, for show. It's like a wicker any. paddle. <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is the same scene, but at the beginning of the scene is my absolute favorite part of the movie. It always has been. And it's him just throwing a chair at him. Yeah, it's great. Like he just picks it up and whips it at And him. just and knocks like, him right down. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Nice shot. <laughs> Imhotep is like sneaking into, I suppose, Evie's room, but he goes through the keyhole as sand. Yeah. Did you have to do that? Mm. A little weird and a little time consuming. <laughs> it's a little to much. Go grain by grain <laughs> through the keyhole. Like. like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. Suddenly, all of the people in Cairo become Imhotep worshippers and start chanting, Imhotep, Imhotep, and you know what it is? Imhotep. It's it's a Trump rally. It really yeah, is. That's what it, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, and they explain that this has happened because of the the boils. Yeah. What is Somehow, what do those things have to do with I, each other? I, I, yeah, I don't think they're saying it's because of the boils, but they didn't say it wasn't because of the boils. <laughs> you know, like because they're like, ah, oh, the final plagues, the boils, and now they are zombies. <laughs> and then they corner the main characters and the, the magi librarian, Doctor Terence Bay. Right? He's like, yeah. I'll hold them off. And is instantly cut down. Yeah. He like slashes two with the sword <laughs> and they kill him immediately. Like clearly he doesn't hold anyone off. These I don't just... want to be in the movie yeah. anymore. Come on. We're getting out of here. We might just stay here. Yeah, but we can get out. I think you two should make a go of it. What are you talking about? So they're driving in the car and like all the mummies are jumping on the car. And for some reason, <laughs> the first thought I had, like these mummies are jumping on the car like they're secret service agents in the Dallas motorcade. Like, <laughs> no, no. Like, for years I've been listening to 
All these idiots on bar stools with all their pet theories on Dallas. In the final battle, Imhotep, you know, he wakes up the serious mummies, the ones that have the spears and hats. But even still, their movements are like comedic. Yeah. The one guy spears the guy in the head, the skull comes off on the spear. Yep. The headless mummy is just kind of walking around looking stupid. Yep, yep. Uh, Brendan Fraser yells at them. They they yell back at him. Yeah. They're comedy yeah. mummies. Yeah. In the final battle, uh, Jonathan, while O'Connell is using, uh, I think, uh, either a shotgun or using the machine gun, yeah. he grabs his pistols from Rick. Right. And starts firing, and then if you notice, he runs out of bullets and throws his gun. Throws the old gun throw. Usually, usually it's the villain that does that. The villain runs out of ammo and sort of desperately throws the gun at the hero. Joker thing to do, like most of the time in movies, like in action movies, when they throw the gun, it's like and they run around a corner. Right, right. right. Son of a bitch! You're just literally facing each other like 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 a bat. You know, I have more bullets for this. You get reloaded. Right. I am completely. Out of ammo. All right, so that brings us to The Mummy Returns. Oh, I hate mummies. Just like old times, huh? Another cool flashback in the beginning with The Rock. But let me tell you, the god Anubis looks kind of stupid. Like, what's Anubis' plan? Uh, Jackalheads. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, once Anubis conquered everyone, then he just left. Uh, what, what was the, what was the <laughs> right. goal here? Well, I guess it was like, ah, I helped you defeat your enemies, but now your souls are mine sort of thing. But it's okay. like, how about you use your own army? You D- yeah, just do something with it. Yeah. There's that point where he like he makes the deal with Anubis, and then suddenly this oasis comes out of nowhere, and it's grass yeah. and lush, and I was like, what is he, in fucking Donkey Kong country? <laughs> what? This looks terrible. It does like, look terrible. It looks really bad. The fucking Lorax and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Truffle right, of yeah. trees popping out of the ground. <laughs> I don't need to listen to this shit. I'm, I'm the Lorax. I speak for the trees. Shit bird. Only one actor worth noting, I think. We talked about him when we did Thor. Yes, since we did. Since he was in the dark world. His name is, pronounce it please, Scott. Adewale Akanoi Agbaje. All right. And he was also, he's best known for, for Oz, really. Yes. He played Adebisi in Oz. He was also on Lost. He was Mr. Yep. Mr. Echo. That's right. And actually, he left, I read that he left Oz to do this movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Which, I don't know if that was a great choice. No. Give me some dits. Give me some fucking dits. They're digging up Imhotep with the new Inox in the moon and them, whatever. Yeah, the villains there. And they, they're standing and they hear like it's rumbling. They're like, oh, something's coming. What is this? And you see like this like little mound coming up. Yeah. And they're like, and they're all just standing there staring at it. And then finally, boom, it's beetles. And they're all like, ah, shit. And they all run. And I'm like, what did you think was gonna come you out had of to, chocolate? Yeah, like you had it's to not know a fondue that. fountain. Right. I like how Rick and Evie seem to have moved into a museum. <laughs> together yeah, with uh, their son, who I, I think of as Gordon Ramsay's son for some reason. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's yeah. kind of who he is, or blonde, <laughs> foreign yeah. son. Yeah, But, you know, enough, enough, Evie, about the Bainbridge scholars. If you mention them again, I'm going to smack you in the face. Uh, oh, it, the Bainbridge scholars. Yeah, enough already. Bainbridge scholars. Again. Bainbridge scholars. Again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say Bainbridge scholars. One more goddamn time. Oh, so when he comes in to save Jonathan. Yeah. In that moment, he, he comes in and they have the snake. Yeah. And they, they, and they, they throw the snake yeah. at him and he catches the snake and he throws it back. And then they throw a knife and he catches the knife and he throws 
it back and I was waiting to pull out a gun, shoot the bullet, catch the bullet, throw it back at them, right? Stop throwing things at him. That's obviously not working. I'm throwing every piece of junk I can think of at him, Skipper. He sees his tattoo, the guy from the Mejah. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, what if I were to say to you that I am a man from the East and I am, you know, looking for a person? And he's like, I would say I'm a man from the West and you found me. Wait, what? Like, in the, <laughs> like he just said it and like he was like, why did I say that? As if he used to be like, you know, like a... <laughs> Sleeper cell agent or something, yeah, you know, yeah. that's how they make it. He's like, I'm telling you, this is it. You're a tattoo. You are of the Magi. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't believe that. I'm like, you just said some shit that you've never heard yeah. before. And it yeah. just poured out of your mouth like it was the easiest thing in the world. Right. And you immediately go like, nah. When you were tattooed back at the orphanage, didn't you know why you were being tattooed? Didn't someone explain? <laughs> right, it's just something they slapped on him. Yeah, and <laughs> threw it on me. <laughs> like it was one of those stick-on tattoos yeah, with the yeah. sponge. Like, I don't know, it just never came off. I it was know. either that or a half-naked pirate. I went with that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the tattoo artist had a book. I just picked something out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my friend had some Lisa Frank stickers. <laughs> it was this or or, or a teddy bear in a top hat, all right? Lisa Frank stickers. Lisa Frank, you gotta have it. So you have the whole fight on the bus. And again, it's comedy mummies. They're they're doing some Three Stooges eye gouges in the, in the fighting. <laughs> the, same thing, yeah. uh, the mummies flattened against the side of the bridge. It's, it's preposterous. It's, it's good old-fashioned family fun. Again, we've talked about this, but like usually when the first movie does well, it gets a bigger budget, but they want it for a wider audience. Right. So suddenly there's a family element and there's, yeah. you know, it's toned down a bit. It seems like the big change between the first and second movie is uh, that we're in a metropolitan setting and we've never seen the mummies in a city. Yeah, good point. You know what I mean? So that like the double decker bus scene is pretty cool, yeah. I think. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not a bad little action thing. One of the thing. better scenes of the movie, I would say. At the end of that scene, they're going over a drawbridge. It might be the London Bridge, I don't yeah. know. And for some reason, Rick jumps the gap just so he can hang on to the other side and scream yeah. for his son. And not climb up the And rest not of the climb way. up and continue to pursue him. Why yes. did you why did you jump it then? How are you <laughs> resting hanging off of a bridge? He comes over, he says, What are you doing? I said, I'm resting. Here yeah, you're resting. Got a fucking beach in a park. I said, I'm resting. I know I'm resting. I'm resting. There's a part, I think this is on the train, but the, there's the guys, they start shooting Imhotep. He kind of like, looks like he smiles and kind of just shakes his tits at them. <laughs> or like, like, he's just like, come on, like, uh, like, whatever. Yeah, shoot me as much as you want. I don't care. But I was like, just like, for like a half a second, I was like, oh, just little clip made me feel weird. <laughs> just like, hey, big boy. It was a fucking I don't know whether you notice this too, but when when Rick gets the dirigible, that's a fucking steampunk dirigible. Yeah, is what yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like the guy built it himself in some way, and it's gears <laughs> yeah. and shit. Yeah, like yeah. created by Doctor Parnassus <laughs> in, in <laughs> yeah. his imaginarium. Exactly. You ain't heard? I'm steampunk now. Yeah, I don't know what that is, man. Umbrellas and blimps. So we got this device that we set up with the Mejai that he's got Osiris, his bird got or whatever, bird. Yeah. That who's reporting back constantly. Right. And we have a bunch of pointless scenes of him going, go Osiris, or have him come back like, nice. And then, of course, Adewale Agenoi Agbaje kills his bird. Right. And he's like, oh, shit, 
He's like, I have to go and so I can report to them right. what's going on and just in case the army comes. And Rick is like, I need you to help me find my son. And he's like, you're right, you're right. Uh, All that right. comes first. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. You know, this is the second time you've seen him and you've met him 10 years ago. And he's really, he's like, all right, all right. First I'll help you, then I'll go and get the army that'll save the world. Yeah, oops, what? Too late. Like, yeah. When they first introduced that bird, I'm like, how's the bird going to tell anybody anything? Later on, I saw they had a little message on its leg. Yeah, but when he yeah, first yeah. said it, I was like, what is he going to, the bird going to tell people? <laughs> Just whispers in his gonna ear. Going to caw out the information? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> East. What? <laughs> bird said east. That bird just say east? Quiet your cars so that we can take up our cars! Redemption! Redemption! So you've got this whole dynamic where Imhotep has kidnapped their son. Their son is like showing them where to go next. By, yeah. by using the jewel, yeah, right? Yeah. So he's doing this thing where he creates these sandcastles to show his parents where they're going next. Yeah. And they get to one sandcastle and it's like, here are the swamps of, oh no, that's just where he urinated in the corner. <laughs> it's not actually oh, part of it. Nope, that's... Uh... Oh gosh, all right. <laughs> For just using his hands, those sandcastles are incredible. He's really very talented. <laughs> they're insane. <laughs> How did they not be like, you know, like even when they were like, all right, come on, boy, we're moving. And I, holy shit. And around this time, we get a shot of the Magi army, because like you said, the, the bird is giving them signals. Yeah. Up until this point, the Magi army mm. is like seven inept older men in Egypt. Right. Suddenly, there's a force of like 10,000 of yeah. them across the, the desert. Right. Where did these guys come from? For, especially because they only seem to have one purpose, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So- when you all go out, it's just like, uh, we didn't want to get to everyone. Well, they get to the Oasis and, you know, again, we talked about it. The fight with these dwarven creatures, pygmy yeah. pygmy creatures, yeah. uh, very strange. But like <laughs> so every pygmies. other mummy, like every other like creature, they're comedic. So they're they're swinging on vines. They're stomping on the heads in the quicksand. Yeah, yeah. No one's taking them seriously. The heads come off. They wander around. The body is looking confused. Yeah, like the battle droids in fucking. It, it's ex that's <laughs> exactly what it's like. Yeah. Exactly what it's yeah. like. It's, it's exactly <laughs> like the battle droids. <laughs> what a terrible shot. Ah, oh, well, it's my programming. Don't Rick worry. saves his son, right? The Magi dude kills the Oz guy. Right. Rick grabs his son, and Rick outruns the rotation of the earth yeah right by running into the pyramid the shadow is chasing him into the pyramid yeah because yeah, i guess yeah. the sun will die and the sun goes down it's fucking crazy you know it was reminiscent to me of the day after tomorrow where like the bad guy was cold yeah you know where they're running and they're like oh my god it's getting colder and yeah like it's chasing me the yeah. cold and if they get caught like so you're telling me being an inch away from the cold, you're good. <laughs> yeah. But the second it touches you, you're dead. Like, that's it. It's exactly the same yeah. thing. It's it's dumb. Very good. Yeah, we already talked a lot about the final battle. you have anything else? Jonathan is fighting Anaxanamun, which you're like, what? Yeah. And then I love he actually connects with a jab, and she's like, oh, surprised by it, too. And he's like, huh. Oh. Like, how's his face? It's <laughs> one of those, like, huh, I felt pretty good to hit a woman. <laughs> you know what? I think I might do that again. And all these fights, Rick really tries to hold his own against supernatural fighters. Yeah. Like he just keeps taking a beating. He'll keep shooting at them, punching them, but they're magic. Right. You know, and they never seem to kill him with their magic. They're kind of throwing him around. Yeah. He's constantly being thrown around. This whole fight has to do with many people just being thrown around. I just got to say though, Imhotep, you know, when he shouts out to 
and knocks into Moon and realizes that she's run away, the hurt he's playing in his eyes, yeah, it's really good. It's, like, it's I, palpable. I really, yeah, and like it really says, because like, he doesn't say anything. He just looks, realizes, and then drops and lets yeah. himself die. And you're like, whoa, that was pretty fucking dramatic. Yeah. All, all, all this, <laughs> like, all this for nothing. He's basically saying he was like, this is yeah. all that mattered was the woman. That's what I just said. It's not about yeah. taking over the world for him. It's about the love of his life. Yeah. And we get at the, you know, the very end here where we're, we're flying away. Yep. And then we have the last shot of uh, the Mejai standing and he says something in Arabic. And I was like, and that uh, roughly translates to, what the fuck? I can't ride in your dirigible? <laughs> like every other character is in the dirigible. And he's like, all right. Thanks anyway. I just killed all of Anubis's army for you, but that's okay. It's it's a long ride home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My horse is very tired. I don't think it's nice you laughing. See, my mule don't like people laughing. It's the crazy idea you're laughing at him. Now, if you apologize like I know you're going to, I might convince him that you really didn't mean it. That was uh, the second mummy. Let's let's wrap this fucker up with the uh, the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor. Look, kid, I put down more mummies in my time than you. You put down one mummy, Dad. Yeah, same mummy, twice. As far as actors go in this one, we've got Jet Li. Now he's a trilogy superstar uh, from Expendables, the Expendables trilogy. Right, that's right. He was a pretty gigantic action star in the late '90s, early 2000s. Lethal Weapon Four, um, Unleashed. Yes. The dog he, movie with Hoskins. We mentioned that in another episode. He, it's, uh, somebody, it's somebody. directed by Luc Besson. Oh, okay. Yeah, who and, was um, heavily involved in Transporter. There you go. And also Mulan. He is in Mulan. You got Maria Bello that's coming in to take the part of Evie. Yeah. And you know what? I liked Maria Bello up until this movie. Yeah. She's great in the movie The Cooler with William H. Macy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. that's a great movie. She's in Grown Ups, the Grown Ups films. Yes. As well as Thank You for Smoking. Very good movie based yeah. on a very good book. And the last one, of course, is one of the subjects of, you know, why we're doing this. Michelle Yeoh, trilogy superstar. She was in Kung Fu Panda. Right. Um, and the Guardians yes. trilogies. I think she became famous for... For the American crowd with a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was a monster movie. Yeah. Um, not, not a monster movie. It was a very popular movie. <laughs> Wasn't really a dragon in the movie. Or was there? I don't know. Um, and of course, she just won the Academy Award for everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. She's an avatar. And she was also in Crazy Rich Asians, mm. which was a pretty big film. So. Yes. You know, I mean, she's been in a lot of movies. People are like, oh, she finally got the recognition she deserves. She's, I don't know. I feel like she's been pretty popular for a pretty long time. I I don't know. Did you mention she was also a Bond girl? She was in Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. Actually, when they first approached me to, um, two years ago, when Jeff Kleeman said to me, "Uh, you would be perfect in Mm -hmm. a Bond film, I turned around and said, I get to play James Bond. Yeah, you ought to. I did. They ought to think about that. Jamie, Jamie Bond. Jamie Bond. I got nothing but good ideas. In the second movie, you know, they they move to a museum. In right. this third movie, they live in a fucking palace, yeah. basically. Yeah. I suppose of her book her, money. Her, I guess. her book money. She now has abandoned the thing she loved so much, archaeology, yes. and has become a fiction writer. I could understand if this was the script they sent to Rachel Vice, she'd be like, that's not the character no, at all. Not at all. Yeah, like it completely changes her. You're gonna have Maria Bello come in, not only doing an impersonation of Rachel Vice. 
but also doing an impersonation of a British person. Right. And I gotta say, I felt bad for her the entire movie. She's trying, but because she's I think failing. She's, I think she's doing like kind of like a serviceable job to yeah. like- She jumps on know, like, the table and starts doing that sword fighting or whatever. You yeah. feel like she's trying to show us how Rachel Vice is kind of dipshitty and like knocks the books all down. Like, Yeah, right. But it doesn't really play. Again, no. I don't feel like Bellow's not great, but it's really the fault of the screenplay. And she is not a scintilla of chemistry with Frasier. None. No. They're doing that whole thing where he went fishing. They're sitting at the dinner table. They didn't clean the fish, apparently, because there's a bullet in it still. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. But they're they're, they're acting at each other. Yeah. Same thing was when the guy comes and proposes the mission to them. They're trying so hard. He's doing all kinds of stuff with his face, trying to act. She's trying to act. And it's just like, I'm looking at two people acting. Yeah. I didn't feel right. that way with the other two movies. Right. But I've been sent to offer you one last assignment. I'm afraid we've retired from the espionage game, haven't we, dear? Yeah, we've, uh, we don't do that anymore. We've finished, completely done. You're just out of curiosity, what is the mission anyway? On the flip side, though, the son doing his dig is pretty cool. Oh, by the way, in that scene where the, he discovers the emperor and the traps are all going off, yeah. has that ever really happened in any tomb anywhere? It happens in this trilogy, happens in the Indiana Jones movies, are there really traps in these places? I think they are. I don't think they're nearly as sophisticated as movies make them out to be, though. Okay. You know, like I feel like it's I've more heard of the like, curse of the mummy, but not fucking arrows shooting out of little holes in the wall. You dig a hole and you just put some grass over the top. I feel like it's more like that. You know, like where they're oh shit, I fell on this yeah, hole and yeah. there were some the spikes, spikes on the bottom. Yeah. Like that probably, yeah, that's easy enough to set up. I can see that. I have an elaborate crossbows that fire yeah, that f- follow you 3,000 like, years later. This whole franchise went very quick to the like, I hate those mummies, like in the second movie. And then like the third movie is doing it again. You're like, it feels really played out it, now. It is. Like, yeah. There's only so much you can get out of that piece of dialogue, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, oh, mummies, they never fight. It fair. only has so like, much weight. That's not even like a joke. <laughs> I think they do fight fair. <laughs> when you don't for, when you think about for it. For a mummy, they never fight fair. This one tripped me from behind. That's not fair. <laughs> this one pushed me and another one was on all fours waiting behind me. <laughs> that's not fair. Hey. They never fight fair. That's not fair. I have no gun. This mummy's got a machine gun. That's, <laughs> that's not, not fair. fair. <laughs> <laughs> I can vote, but this mummy doesn't get the right. That's not that's fair. That's not fair. <laughs> Mummies shouldn't vote. <laughs> Dead people are voting. They're dead people voting on the rose. And they're mummies. They're super scary. So we're at Imhotep's nightclub then. The Game of Thrones guy just casually in there. Yeah. I got a pl- you need a plane later? Yeah. You bet your ass I will. As, you know, the most stereotypical character. <laughs> I am the crazy Irish one. I'm the Leprechaun. Cool it, okay. I'm the leprechaun! Stop it, all right? Don't try and steal me, Patico! Stop it, leprechaun man! We get the character of Lynn who comes in, the one who we find out eventually is the witch's right. daughter. She was like, oh, yes, and I have the blade that can kill him. My mother cursed this blade, and they were like, right, can I talk to you over here for a minute? I'm like, are you seriously not going to believe her? Yeah. I After mean, everything you've been through, Brendan Fraser says, sorry, kid, I just don't put much faith in your girlfriend's magic sword. Or like, you just killed the Scorpion King in the last movie with essentially a magic sword. Uh, why would anyone at all have any skepticism about anything? Yeah. 
Look at what you've been through. Yeah. Everything is real. This girl is cuckoo bananas. What? A blade that could kill someone? It's really not that crazy. Believe it or not. We got to talk for a second about the chase where she's driving the truck and they're being chased from the bar. During this scene, her brother is lit on fire. His pants are lit on fire. And he yells out during the scene, spank my ass, Rick. Spank my ass to get Rick to bat the flames out of his butt. I went back and listened to it a second time. Spank my ass, Rick. Spank my ass. While they're on the back of the truck and his pants are on fire. I, I couldn't believe what I was listening to. Your ass is on fire! Oh, my ass! Up there! Rick! My ass is on fire! Spank my ass! Put me out, Rick! Spank my ass! Spank my ass! It takes them one minute to get to the Himalayas. Another great line, the yak throws up and Jonathan says, the yak... Yacked. Hard for me to believe that in the 40s that was a, a euphemism for vomiting, but okay, yeah. I'll go there. Since he's not paired up with a woman like his, his sister and, and Rick or right. his, his nephew and Lynn, he needs a little partner, so it's going to be a yak. A yak. Okay, <laughs> I can get behind that. Yeah. But that camp out they have in the Himalayas. Where uh, Evie is dressed like Mrs. Claus. <laughs> Each couple annoys us in a different way as they have <laughs> yeah. conversations. He's trying to make time with the girl and she's just kind of like putting him down. Like, I can't be in a relationship right now. And he's trying, the son is trying to like, you know, get in her pants. Yeah. And basically. Like, Why not? Listen. I'm 2,000 years old. If I, if I wanted to be in a relationship, I would fucking know, okay? And then they get to the place where they put the diamond on top or whatever, and that's going to reveal the location of Shangri-La. It's important to mention in this scene when the Yetis show up. I think they're great. They have cute faces. The CGI has made them look cute. And I think of a Yeti as a solitary creature hiding as much as it can in the mountains of yeah. the Himalayas. Because uh, you think of them as an endangered creature. Right? I guess so. If if at all, right? Yep. Like They're mythical. So you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not imagining a whole group of them. There's yep. one of them just kind of waltzing around going, waiting to die. Mm -hmm. The last of his kind. I see it, but I hardly dare believe it. You can believe it, Dr. Quest. The Yeti have taken vengeance into their own hands. After they, they use the diamond, there's the avalanche. Right. Right. Comes down and the diamond comes flying down and hits the screen. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? And, and then the next thing you know, he's like, he's like, thank God I've still got that diamond. Like, no, I should have the diamond. What diamonds? The fucking diamonds, you prick. So they get to Shangri-La and have to, after uh, Rick gets healed, they have a scene of like him and, you know, Evie kind of like canoodling again. Yeah. And, you know, the kid walks in. Up in like, like a loft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Shangri-La loft at her, the witch's house. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he comes in, the sun comes in. He's like, nice to see some things never change. And that's where you have to go. Except mom. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rick has the conversation with his son and says to him, quote, I know I've been dropping the ball on being a good father. Shut up. Just <laughs> shut up. Who wrote that line? That is the worst shit. Besides the kid is in his early 20s. How much more dadding could you really be doing really? for him at this really? point? And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. We're going to hit him high, hard, and fast, and smash him like a main face. Right at the end, they kill the emperor. Yeah. <laughs> now you can rule in hell. 
<laughs> it was like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. They don't, no, he yeah, can't. They don't have that. They don't have that. <laughs> so it's not like, it, he, the way he delivers it is, you know, it's, it's like, now you can rule in hell. <laughs> like just the way you're delivering it sucks. The yeah. line is terrible. It, it's another ripoff of Indiana Jones because in Temple of Doom, doesn't he say, uh, "Now you can go meet Kali in hell"? Yeah, doesn't Indy yeah, say that? I think and you're it's right. the same lack of logic. It's the different religion. Yeah. Hope it's hot enough for you in hell. Yeah, it's like, exa- it's another ripoff of Indiana Jones, but in a bad way. Yeah, it's not a great line in Temple of Doom. It's certainly not a good line here. Right now you can rule in hell. So the very end of the movie, we get the, you know, what was supposed to be a setup for another movie. But, you know, it's Jonathan saying, I'm going to Peru where there aren't any mummies. And then on screen immediately, like two years later, mummies were found in Peru. It's information about Jonathan. The yeah. least important character right. in the movie. That's strange. We don't know what happens to right. the whole family, the O'Connell the family. The last note that they end on is a comedic note about a, a side character, about right. a supporting character. You're like, okay. You probably could have cut that. Yeah. And no one would have cared. I feel like this, the filmmakers snuck it in to amuse themselves. Yeah. Enough is enough. I have had it with these motherfucking mummies. You know, normally, Scott, when we would do a, an episode like this that involves a monster like a mummy, we would have... We'd have Phil involved. Yeah, this is Phil's thing. Right. But tonight uh, he wasn't able to record. I don't. I don't know what he. Yeah, he wasn't available. Wasn't but, available. But of course, we got him set up with something uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and kind of like in his wheelhouse a little bit. We thought this would be perfect for him. Yeah. All right, and thank God we have a recording of it. Yeah. So Phil, why don't you give us your uh, field correspondent report? Hey, folks, Phil here, your field correspondent for the trilogy podcast. Sorry I couldn't join you for the episode, fellas, but I'm reporting from Universal Studios Orlando, where I will take you inside Revenge of the Mummy, the ride. That's right. Tonight, you will join me for a ride on the last living monument to a franchise that had proven itself obsolete to pop culture well over a decade ago. (laughs) Now, my flight was a little delayed, and the line has been a little long, so the park is about to close, but now that the boarding station is in view at any moment, I'll be face-to-face with Emotep himself. No, not Arnold Voslo, although that'd be nice. Ah, here we go. I'm next. Attention, adventurers. Seems Emotep has cursed our ride, and we are experiencing technical difficulties. We will be closing what? for the night. No way! Please make your oh, way Come on, the are you kidding me? Dementia, thanks. Fuck this, I'm getting on the ride. Just gotta wait until no one is looking. Now's the time. Ha-ha! Did it! No one even noticed. This is why they shouldn't hire high school dropouts. Here we go. Wow, look at the detail. Oh, that sarcophagus is moving. Could be Emotep. <laughs> oh no, it's just an animatronic Universal staff member. Oh, this thing really moves. Oh, oh! Uh, here we go. Oh, here comes the drop. What? What the hell was that? The ride stopped? Oh, shit. Hello? Hello? Oh, fuck, fuck, no! God damn it! Hello? Great. Looks like I'm trapped. Wow, it is a lot scarier in here all of a sudden. <laughs> Hello? What was that? Huh. Ah! 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 Fuck! It's dead! Whoa! Whoa! 
moments uh, like this where I, I question what matters in the world and what doesn't matter. Yeah. All I know is right there at the end, I mean, Phil probably, he probably really wanted his mummy. I couldn't agree more, Scott. I couldn't agree more. All right. <laughs> so, Scott, uh, it's time to rank these bad boys and uh, kind of put a cap on this, uh, on this sarcophagus, if yeah. you will. I'm going to keep it short. Go ahead. You know, I think it's an easy one, two, three. Mm. Down, down the line, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's unsuccessful just because like it's a classic degradation in mm-hmm. quality. Where of course the first one was good, and they you know diminishing returns essentially. Yep. And I, 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 again, like I say, I mean I can I can certainly appreciate that they they really tried hard to make the third one be consistent in some manner yeah. with the other two movies, which I appreciate, which almost makes me feel like I want to say it's successful because it, because it surprised me. It was close. Yeah. It was close for me. But um, yeah, I think ultimately, you know, the first one's really good and pretty much it. So one, two, three. Unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. I'm in total agreement with you. I'm going one, two, three, unsuccessful. First movie is a good movie. Yeah. You know, it's not it's changing so my good. life, but it was good. It's a good view. It's a fun watch. And then yeah. they, you know, they continuously get worse until we get to the end. And look, the trilogy just runs out of steam. Right. It, you know, it doesn't help that they lose a main character in the third one and a different main, ca- you know, a different actress comes yeah. in to play it. And so they try and compensate for that with CGI action and, and shit. Right. And, and the words don't matter anymore. And the plot doesn't matter anymore. And it just doesn't matter anymore. You know what? I, I, I think this is this is kind of it's interesting to go back now and watch something from 1999 and and really see that, like, the reason I think sequels are so bad for so many years is nobody ever did any, like, world building. Yeah. Nobody ever evolved the idea past, like, the same idea and just, let's do that again in a different location. Yep. I think that's why television has become such like a bigger thing because yes. there's more information. You can, you can get more information. You create more of a depth of character. Right. These characters aren't, know l- they're not characters. learning anything. Right. So they're the same person from film to film to film. And that's not going to play all the time. Right. We, we Rick O'Connell become a husband and a father. And did he ever really change? Right. No. Yeah. I'm going to say final point here. I think now that we've talked about this concept of it being Indiana Jones to death, they really are Indiana Jones split in half because she's like the archaeology expertise. He's the kind of action pack. All bringing it back around to your point that this is a two to tango, two to tango trilogy. Yes. I think uh, quite astute, actually, at yeah. the end of the day to say like, yeah, because they're they're two. They're the yin and the yang of each other sort of thing. It takes, they they it make t- up. It takes two characters to create the one amazing character that Harrison Ford did. Right. All right. Well, this was The Mummy, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I am Vin. And I'm Scott. And we do a podcast called The Trilogy Podcast. Sure do. You just listened to it. You did indeed. And guys, the whole point is that we're going to go through every trilogy ever made. We're the only two people on Earth that have the master list of every trilogy ever made. We're going to go through that list. We're going to hit them all if we have to die doing it. That that is the goal. That is a plan. And we're like pretty far along now. And I'm going to hold this list up to this candle. And oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Well, it's just uh, as well. Well, we, we must protect people <laughs> from the trilogies. We must protect them indeed. <laughs> uh, make sure you check us out on um, Instagram and on TikTok. I run both of those for us and I try and put up fresh uh, content there, especially on Instagram, like every day. I'm really just trying to match what we talk about in the podcast with humorous 
pictures, memes, gags, jokes, and on TikTok now, uh, videos and, and trivia bits. So check us out on those places at Trilogy Podcast. Uh, and also check us out on Twitter. I, I tend to put some fun polls up, uh, wherever our current episode is uh, that's going out. But I would like to put the challenge out to anyone who listens to feel free to at us on Twitter about anything that you disagree with. If you've got some piece of information that maybe we haven't heard before, at us, tell us. Impossible, Scott, impossible. I know, I know it's going to be weird, but, you know, maybe somebody will find one. Who knows? I mean, let's put the challenge out. I All mean, right. Come on. We, we dare you. Um, okay, do it. But, but also, you know, if you're dying to hear us talk about a certain trilogy or something like that, add us on Twitter and tell us, and we'd love to, you know, start conversations with you there. Sounds great. Yeah. Scott, show me that tattoo again. Is that really? Oh, this one? It's looking kind of effective. Oh. Oh, you know what? That is not, oh, that's not a tattoo at all. What is okay. it? That is a that is a burn I did not take care of. <laughs> Scott? Uh, yeah, I dropped a hot iron on my wrist. Scott. And, uh, I don't feel good. Let's go get a baba ganoush. Ah, oh, sounds good. Say left. Hey. Hey. Barrett in his jammies. Got a condo made of stoner.